Welcome to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book, with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. Hi, I'm Allison Roman, a cookbook author of Nothing Fancy, Unfussy Food for Having People Over. I was trying to sum up your job description. It's very multifaceted. You have... (laughs) Cookbooks, a bi-weekly column in the New York Times, and a monthly column in Bon Appetit magazine. Talk about how cookbooks are the truest expression of how you are. Yeah, so, you know, with having so many recipes in so many different places, I always say that cookbooks are the truest expression of myself because, um, you know, while every recipe is pretty true to myself in terms of flavor profile and effort and visually speaking, I feel like each of my columns is sort of tailored to the publication. And that includes voice, writing style, and, and, you know, type of recipe. It's got to fit where it's being published, but my books are just being published with my name on it. And it's sort of like, it's, it's my own column for my own publication. And I feel a little bit more free to kind of just have it be exactly, you know, tailored to myself. And so you know, I can be a little bit more personal. I can be a little bit more casual. I can be a little bit more relaxed when I'm writing my own books. The busier you got, the less complicated your food got. I think you found the recipe sweet spot for all of us home cooks out here. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I feel like, you know, I am trying to get people to cook. And I also, I realize that time and effort are probably the biggest hurdles for people deciding whether or not they want to cook something. Um, and, you know, just basically for for having people over or just for a weeknight for yourself. And so I just use my own life as, as a real good measure for what I think people are willing to do just because I also am busy and I have a small kitchen and my resources can be limited. So, you know, if I'm willing to put in the time to produce something, I think that you will be too. And I think the biggest difference for, you know, this book versus the columns is that the book is really a good mix of things that require zero prep, but maybe take, you know, two to three hours of, of hands-off time and things that are ready in 30 minutes, but maybe require a little bit more effort on your part during those 30 minutes. So rather than just, you know, cut and dry, like sheet pan dinners or, or weeknight meals, it feels a little bit more elevated, a little bit more interesting, a little bit more mixed, but I'll never ask you to take a long time and do a ton of work at the same time. So I feel like I, it's always one or the other for me. And we thank you for the substitution recommendations. Oh, yeah. We thank you. Um, So it's having people over, not entertaining. When was the first time you articulated exactly what you wanted this cookbook to be about? I feel like it was when I was writing the proposal for it, which is really, I mean, the book was already sold. So it was really just an exercise for me to articulate what I wanted the book to be about. But I think it was just, you know, becoming so overwhelmed with people. Cause I knew that I wanted to do this book and my publisher was like, you know, well, entertaining books don't sell well and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and you know, it's very Martha Stewart. People get stressed out. And I was like, well, what if people weren't stressed out? What if we just called it something else? Well, did and you tell her you're allergic to the word I, entertaining? I did. Well, she knew once she read the introduction <laughs> for sure. But, you know, I, I feel like just rebranding it as something else. And, you know, people are okay with cooking for one or two people. But as soon as you're like, oh, you're having people over, it's like, oh, well, red alert. It's like, well, it doesn't have to be different. It can just be, you know, something a little bit nicer. There's things that the things that I cook for other people are hardly anything that I would just cook for myself. So for me, it's just rebranding of like, 
I have two styles of cooking. I'm either cooking for myself alone or I'm cooking for other people. Describe how this cookbook is organized. So this book is a bit different than Dining In in that I've organized it by how I like to put a meal together rather than by topic. So it starts off with snacks and there are kind of little subsections within each chapter, but you know, snacks are like dips and vegetables and crunchy things and salty things and cheeses and stuff like that. And then it moves into salads, which, you know, there's crunchy salads there's sort of salads, there's leafy salads, and then there's the sides, which I find to be definitely distinct from salads in that to me, sides can be, you know, grains, beans, pasta, uh, chickpeas, roasted vegetables, things with cheese in them, maybe something a bit heartier, you know, like something more comforting and substantial. And then there's the mains and that includes, uh, all the proteins and then some pastas and vegetarian dishes and then sweet stuff, which is pretty, it's like a slender chapter in this particular book because I feel like dessert does not have to be a part of having people over, but to me, it's like a really good mix of dishes that are excellent for serving to groups. And you can even serve fruit on ice. You can. You can You can literally <laughs> just put fresh fruit on ice and serve that for dessert. I've done it a million times. People love it. So you have three helpful things at the beginning. One, ask for help. Two, pick your battles. And three, which is the hardest one for me, a typical home cook, never apologize. So let's discuss. What if you're a control freak? How can we ask for help? Not talking about myself. Well, that's like a huge lesson that I'm still learning all the time. But, you know, I think it's learning about things don't always have to go your way, that you don't always have to have control over everything. Lessons that I'm still trying to teach myself. But, you know, understanding that, like, would you rather be stressed out or would you rather relinquish some control? And after years in the kitchen and having people over, I realized that I'd rather not be stressed out. So that is a choice. And to me, letting somebody else do something is the easiest way to achieve that. I heard Julia Tertian say one time she makes one person take out the garbage. Oh, yeah, I make everyone take out the garbage. I make (laughs) everyone bring ice and I make everyone take out the garbage. Don't apologize because you're not running a restaurant. It won't be perfect. You go to a restaurant to have a certain level of service and to have things go well and to have things be perfect and you know what to expect. And that's not your home. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what is it with people that come over and they expect it and you expect it to be perfection? No. I mean, that's the thing is I don't think people expect it. I don't think anyone expects it. I think that we project that. I think that yes, we, it's in our head. people are going to judge me if I don't have matching plates or they're going to judge me if, you know, I don't have the right silverware or if my house looks a little messy or blah, 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 blah. But it's like, we're not. And if you think that you are going to be judged for any of that stuff, you probably shouldn't have them over for dinner. You wrote, I do love New York City's farmer's markets, but getting through a subway turnstile and riding a crowded train with produce for 14 people is not a chill experience. I feel the (laughs) same way. So what do you do? So I I like to kind of approach my shopping at the same way that I approach like my, my fashion sense, which is I'm a very high, low person and I like to mix and match and I like to get my things from a lot of different places. So for the farmer's market, you know, I will absolutely get certain specialty items from there. Like really in season vegetables, I get, I always get my salad mixes from there. My, my good bread, you know, things like that, that I know are going to be best when purchased at the farmer's market. And then kind of for everything else, like staple items, I just either get from the grocery store. Sometimes I'll use like a online delivering service if I'm really in a pinch. But um, yeah, you know, I feel like 
doing that, you know, when you live in a city where you have a car, it's obviously a bit different and you can just go from the market to the car to your home. But for me, I have to consider like the things that I'm actually traveling with. And so I really need to make them count. What's your thing with Eastern European dairy products? Oh, I love them. If you've ever been to an Eastern European grocery store, the the selection of sour cream and butter is unbelievable. And like that, I mean, they also have like a crazy selection of yogurt and other cheeses, but sour cream and butter selection are mind blowing. It's like they have like 40 different types of each and then like 40 more and in like a different flavor profile or salted or unsalted or sweet or savory or whatever. But it is just nuts. It's like, you know, I am overwhelmed and the packaging is amazing and the quality is really great. And I, they taste different. You know what I mean? I, I always thought sour cream was sour cream was sour cream. I understand yeah. butter, but sour cream? Yeah, it's like, you know, fat content, tanginess, how long was it soured for? Um, you know, it's a lot. It, there's like a lot of difference. But and the only way you'll ever know is if you buy every type of sour cream that's on offer at the market, which I have tried to do. <laughs> do not confuse snacks with hors d'oeuvres or canapes. Let's talk about anchovies, one of your snack essentials. Describe your spicy marinated anchovies with potato chips. Mm, they're so, so good. So this is basically like a snack that I had in Italy and we were sitting like eating ice cream and they brought over these anchovy snacks and it was just a little dish of anchovies with potato chips and with toothpicks. And we're like, well, I guess we eat them on the potato chips. And even if that wasn't the intention, which it may not have been, that's how I did it. And it was so good that I came back from my trip and that's all I wanted to serve to people. And you might think like, oh, it's, is that too salty? It's like salt on salt. But when you douse the anchovies in vinegar and add some chili or fresh peppers, then it, it takes it to like a completely different place. And it's just so, so good. What are the best anchovies and the best chips for this combo? I feel like the anchovies depends on the brand that you are able to find. I like Ortiz, which is a pretty widely available brand. And then for potato chip, you definitely want like a sturdy kettle chip style chip, like nothing that's going to be flimsy. I think kettle chips are really good. Cape Cod are really good. Uh, Zaps are also good. North Fork potato chips. Those are also excellent. Any sort of like, you know, you know what I mean? It's like a sturdy party. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be a recipe in this cookbook? I know everyone's going to ask you this too. I don't have an answer. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you think there's a recipe in this cookbook that catches on like wildfire, like those darn salted butter chocolate chunk shortbread cookies or the stew? I hope so. But you know, <laughs> I, I never know what it's going to be. I just hope the whole book does as well. You know, I, I, my, my hope is that everything in the book does as well as any of those recipes. Um, you know, it's tough because when you release things like the stew or the, it's like the recipes come out one at a time so they can really be highlighted. But with the book you're releasing, you know, 130 something recipes at one time. So it's going to take a while for people to work through it and get the sense of what everybody's cooking. And I won't know for a while, but I think it'll be great. I can't wait. So I've heard you say you don't really consume any food media. You don't read magazines. You don't read cookbooks. Where do you get your recipe inspiration? Um, mostly travel, to be honest. I love getting out of New York. Um, travel can mean, you know, going a few hours upstate or leaving the city or leaving the state or leaving the country. Um, I think just getting out of your comfort zone and getting out of your usual, um, sort of rut is a really helpful way to get new inspiration. And that doesn't mean like necessarily exotic ingredients. It can be just cooking in a new kitchen with new equipment can inspire you. You have one cookie recipe in this cookbook, tiny, salty, chocolatey cookies, and you almost cut it? 
I almost cut it because I was almost like, I don't even want to give people another cookie to talk about. <laughs> it, it felt like I was, I was setting myself up to fail. You know, it's like yeah. people will always compare it to the other cookie. And I was almost, I almost just didn't even want to give anyone to, to compare anything to. Yeah. No comments. <laughs> yeah. No comments. Over the weekend, I made your recipes for celery salad with cilantro and sesame. That's a tongue twister on page 100. How is this your humble homage to New York City? It feels like I was inspired by the salad that I eat a lot of times at this place called Xi'an Famous Foods, which is a Western style Chinese um, sort of fast casual. I guess it's a chain at this point. There's quite a few of them in New York, but it's where I, I eat there a lot. I love their hand-pulled noodles. I love their soft tofu, but I really, really love their tiger salad, which is like a very, very vinegary salad made with lots of cilantro stems and celery and scallions. And it is so delicious. And my version's a little bit different. It's a little less cilantro heavy, more celery heavy. And it doesn't, I forget that there's like one main difference. I forget what it is. If I ate them side by side, I, I could tell you. Um, but for me, it's like being inspired by something and I want to, I want people to know where I was inspired by so they can actually go try the original <laughs> also. Cause it's, it's different than mine, but also worth eating. Um, and yeah, you know, like, I mean, that was like something that I was like burned into my brain of like a type of salad that I want to eat all the time with so many different things. I also made your sticky chili chicken with hot and sour pineapple on page 196. Now, you don't love sweet with savory, but this dish is an exception. Yeah. So I feel like for whatever reason, I, and I don't even know where I I had this idea for this dish, but I had like a craving for it. I was like, you know, I really want just like a deeply sticky, savory, sweet pineapple with chicken. Like I just thought that sounded so, so good. It probably comes from my love of al pastor tacos. Although this flavor profile is definitely more like Asian-ish because it's got, you know, fish sauce and chili paste and brown sugar. Um, there's something about like hot temperatures and like hot and sweet food that goes really well together. So I think I must've come up with it in the middle of summer when I was just wanting that style of eating. So I also made your lemony turmeric tea cake on page 309, the ultimate house cake. Talk a little bit about this recipe. Oh, this is like my favorite, favorite little cake. You know, I love the idea of having like a cake when people come over, just like, even if they're just stopping by or if you're going to somebody's house or whatever. But I feel like, you know, this is like a one bowl cake. You don't need a mixer. It's really bright and cheery and yellow and it's lemony and buttery. And I don't know, it just is like such a happy little cake and it's pretty foolproof. Like, no, I'm pretty sure you just can't mess it up. And I don't know, it's like, a, it's good to have one thing that you're kind of known for. And there was a period of time where every time somebody would come over, I was making this cake just because I wanted to have some on hand. And it's like, not that sweet. So you could kind of eat it as a breakfast cake if you wanted, but it's also sweet enough to where you could serve it for dessert. And it's just kind of like a good all purpose little house cake. I also made a better garlic bread, caramelized garlic on toast with anchovies. The anchovies gave it a crazy, like salty, briny touch. It was so good. Yeah, it is super, super good. Um, I feel like, you know, that one is comes from my love of caramelizing garlic in general and just having things to put it on. But I also just realized that with garlic bread, I think the biggest problem is that people use raw garlic and they chop it and they put it in the butter and then they spread it on the bread and then they char it or they broil it or toast it. And those bits of garlic either don't cook enough or they burn. They burn. Yeah. Yeah. So my solution was to kind of cook them into a paste beforehand. So that way there's never bits that 
or have the opportunity to burn. So it kind of, you can also use a lot more of the garlic because it mellows out through caramelizing. And so what you end up with is like this kind of salty, really savory kind of almost sweet like flavor because the, of the way the garlic cooks. Um, that's just like so crazy good to me. And I, every time I make this garlic bread for people, they absolutely lose their minds. Now to my segment called my favorite cookbook. Aside from this cookbook, what is your all-time favorite cookbook and why? Probably the Chez Panisse menu cookbook. I love, love, love that cookbook. It's it's just like a, you know, I haven't ever cooked anything out of it, but I love reading it for the recipe inspiration and the names and the stories behind it. It's like a really wonderful mix of narrative and uh, and good ideas for menus. But what I like about it is that it's personal and, you know, the stories about the recipes and the menus are more about like where where they took place, why they took place, then like a head note, you know, it's like, sometimes you want to provide service, but sometimes you also just want to provide context. And I, I really enjoy reading the, the personal parts of the stories. Where can we find you on the web and social media? Um, you can find me on social media at Allison E. Roman on Instagram and Twitter and I think Facebook and pretty much every platform. I try to streamline just because having more than one name is annoying. Um, and my website is AllisonERoman.com. It's life the way we live it. It's messy as hell and it's nothing fancy. Thanks <laughs> so much, Allison, for chatting with me on Cookery by the Book podcast. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for including me. Subscribe over on cookerybythebook.com. And thanks for listening to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book.